0: today's Flaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of Flaris Wealth, and I have with us Jeff Powell. Jeff, good morning.
1: Good morning, Jeremy.
0: So Jeff is the chief investment officer and our managing partner. So Jeff, uh, looking forward to a conversation with you um, with regards to the election. So uh, certainly uh, a lot has happened in the last 24 hours, and would love to hear your thoughts as to uh, how some of the preliminary results are coming in. Yeah, happy November
1: 4th. I mean, it's day after the election uh, right now. Uh, we're kind of, I my first reaction is kind of, wow. Um, because, you know, yesterday was kind of a, a roller coaster all over the place. Um, once again, pollsters are, uh, are being put to shame. Um, I'm putting them up there with weathermen and economists of being able to predict the future here. Uh, but uh, that might actually be, mean to sit there and say that about uh, weathermen and, uh, and mm-hmm. economists uh, because really i mean everybody was predicting you know 90 percent chance that uh, joe biden would win uh they were predicting a blowout and here we are uh sitting uh, the next morning uh we're still waiting on obviously a lot of uh, votes to still come in but we have no clear decided winner um nevada does look like it should lean towards uh, Uh, Biden, but they've got 75% of their vote in, but they've got less than an 8,000 vote difference. Um, But from my understanding, the places that are going to be voted are are historically Democratic. So um, who knows? Uh, The other states that are really up in the air for uh, Joe Biden to potentially win this election would be Wisconsin and Michigan. Right now, Wisconsin uh, has 99.95% of the votes in. We're dealing with less than a twenty thousand, or slightly over a twenty thousand uh, uh, vote difference when you're dealing with over three million votes. It's a, a very thin margin uh, between the two. Uh, in fact, the craziest part that I'm looking at from here is that uh, one point five percent of the state of Michigan or of Wisconsin, I should say, uh, voted for someone other than Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump. So if you think about taking out like the Independent Party or the Green Party or uh, some of the other parties that were running in the state of Wisconsin, uh, that could have been a difference uh, also in, in this election, which is quite crazy to think about. And then Michigan's the other state that's leaning blue right now uh, with 88.4% of, uh, of the district's reporting. But again, you know, we're looking at a 15,000, 16,000 vote difference. Uh, same thing where you had almost 80,000 votes that were pushed to somebody other than Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump. And just thinking about how much of a difference, again, that could have had an influence on uh, who will be our next president. So as we speak right now, popular vote very much on Joe Biden's side uh, with about 69 million versus uh, 67 million uh, for Trump. Uh, But as we speak right now, we still don't have an answer. Um, In order for Donald Trump to win, uh, he is going to have to carry not only the states that look like he uh, should possibly win, but. Really, either Nevada, Wisconsin, or Michigan is going to have to flip uh, from uh, a light blue to red in order for him to be elected. Uh, But we still have, again, a number of other things going on, and I apologize for ranting, but we've got uh, Alaska still up in the air, Georgia still up in the air, North Carolina and Pennsylvania still up in the air, um, with Pennsylvania having 80% of their votes in, but a sizable lead for Trump. I mean, a 500,000... Uh, vote lead for Trump. Uh, North Carolina has 100% of the votes, and I don't know why they haven't called this, uh, with Trump having about an 80,000 vote lead uh, within North Carolina. Uh, Georgia has uh, 99.5% of the and with 100,000 vote differential. Again, seems large enough that they should be making that call, which they still haven't. And then Alaska uh, only has 50% of their vote in. Uh, Sounds silly, but literally, we're going to be coming down to the fact that Nebraska, for example, uh, gave four votes to Trump and one to Biden that one vote could be the deciding factor uh, in this election. It is that close from an electoral college basis.
0: Yeah, and Jeff, I, uh, I find it very uh, reflective of a lot of the conversations that we've had with uh, clients and other people that it's been very divided and these election results seem to confirm that very fact that We're very split as to uh, just the person that wants to leave the country over the next four years. With all that said, it's interesting that the markets have certainly been volatile, but are uh, largely up this morning. Um, Given that we don't even truly know who's won the the presidency or the Senate or the House yet, they're still counting. Why is it that it appears uh, or why do you believe rather that the market's up this morning?
1: Well, it's a, it's a great question, because obviously, you know, as, as you were just saying, normally when we talk to our clients and we talk about uncertainty, normally that uncertainty leads to volatility. And a lot of times that volatility is negative volatility, not positive volatility. Um, right now, uh, again, making fun of the pollsters. I mean, this was supposed to be a blowout, easy win for Joe Biden. Uh, this was also supposed to be a blue wave, uh, the highest probability that all of the uh, Um, the the pollsters were talking about is that the Democrats would hold the Senate, the House, and the presidency after this election was over. Uh, Right now, it is looking quite the opposite. And so without having knowledge of who the president is, uh, knowing that, for example, that the Senate will remain in Republican hands uh, is a huge factor in what's going on with the markets right now. Uh, It means that, that nobody can railroad through tax increases and other things of that nature. So right now, um, the screen that I show shows 47 to 47 with still six, uh, six of the uh, running, uh, you know, the situations for Senate being up in the air. But if you're looking at really uh, the key states and what was going on there have already been decided. And then we've got uh, states like the state of Michigan, which looks like John James will remain. Uh, we've got Maine. North Carolina and Alaska, all very much leaning, uh, if not almost certain uh, to go towards the Republican party, which would put them at a 51-49 uh, uh, majority here. And so that I think more than almost anything else is why the markets are rallying. The other really interesting thing out of this whole thing, uh, just in the last 24 hours is again, this blue wave that was supposed to, uh, to actually happen. The Republicans are actually taking Uh, seats from the Democrats in the House. Uh, Well, it certainly won't be enough for them to be able to take uh, over the House. Uh, It's definitely the exact opposite. I mean, there was an expectation of between uh, 10 and 20 seats transferring from Republican to Democrat. And for us to sit there and see, not only did that not happen, but the Republican party taking additional seats from, from Democrats is a, it's a surprise. And so I think that again, If we're looking at uh, the markets from a historical standpoint, the worst markets ever are when one party has complete control of the presidency and of Congress. Having the Senate uh, go Republican uh, splits Congress, uh, makes it a a situation where if Joe Biden does win, uh, he won't be able to just do whatever he wants to. There will be a check and balance system in place, which is really from a historical standpoint what the markets like to see
0: yeah, Jeff, well, thank you, and uh, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of days how this uh, finally shapes up, but certainly uh, very different than what was forecasted even just a day ago. And Jeff, one of, the, one of the things that you've uh, often said is it's better to be partially correct than 100% wrong, and that certainly holds true with the election today. And I know that there's always some temptation for people to try to speculate as to which way it's going and to take significant uh Uh, strides within their portfolio or other uh, uh, financial assets. And uh, I think this election serves as a lesson as to why it's important to recognize there's only so much that we can know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts as to uh, some of the things that flourished within the portfolio and more importantly, what we didn't do. Um, to recognize that uh, we don't want to pretend like we know more than we can and uh, also once again, going back to that, better to be partially correct than to completely miss the ball on what's happening here. Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy. I mean, I think that's a, a great point because we certainly had a
1: few people that uh, that came to us um, you know, directly saying that they wanted out of the market uh, and it's not what we were willing to do. I mean, we don't want to sit there uh, and guess. And so um We've talked before about how there are certain investment management firms that have different ideologies, you know, buy and hold being one, market timing being the other. And when you're going into cash, you're basically saying that you're going to be a market timer, uh, that you're going to be either absolutely correct or completely wrong with the situation. Uh, The markets were turning down um, pre-election. Obviously they were up yesterday. They were up today. You know, we're up today. Um, You know, if you would have gone 100% into cash, you would already be missing out on a rally here. Now, uh, the thing that we did uh, that again, as you said, being partially correct rather than completely wrong, we saw the markets pulling back. Uh, They hit off of the support level. Uh, We decided to not put anything to work until after we were done with the election because we weren't sure how uh, the markets would react and how people would react to uh, what was going on within the markets. So we shed some of our positions, but what we did purposely was we actually uh, kept it uh, pretty close to what is a normal allocation. We went down to about 20% cash, um, but the names that we had were some of the higher risk names, which gave us a correlation in the market that really made it more like we were uh, at a 15% discount to where we could be with a benchmark, uh, keeping very heavily into things like technology and telecommunications uh, the consumer uh, uh, services uh, area of the stock market. And those are the areas that are rallying right now. So even though we were not fully invested the rallies over the last couple of days, we got to participate in almost all of that uh, without taking the same sort of exposure risk uh, with again, uh, it's just a little bit of insurance on the side saying, hey, if I get this wrong, we won't hopefully be down as much as the market. Uh, we've got some dry powder to buy things at a lower price. But it's not like we freaked out and go, oh, my gosh, you know, if so-and-so becomes president, then I'm going to sell everything. Well, that's an extreme viewpoint. And the thing that you've got to remember in a democracy is there's just as many people that disagree with you as do agree with you. And even though you might think that they're absolutely crazy for their ideology uh, in this country, we have to respect the differences of ideology. And you know, regardless of what happens over the next few days, few weeks, as this thing tussles out, most likely going to uh, the Supreme Court in order to find a true victor out of this entire situation, it's part of the democracy process. And so we've got to sit there and accept uh, the, the good, the bad and the ugly with it, um, which is sometimes not uh, fair, but to, to be extreme with your portfolio and, and to sit there and, and know that uh, you could do some some serious financial damage uh, to yourself by taking those kind of extremes. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. I'm sure, Jeremy, you've probably experienced this yourself some. I mean, when people sell out of their portfolio, uh, do they turn around and buy back in immediately with the, once they figured out they're wrong? Or from your
0: experience, do
1: they uh, sit there and dig in their heels and insist they're right and everybody else is
0: wrong? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's the latter where, uh, I guess two things happen. One is that they don't want to have to admit that they're wrong. And so they just wait and wait as the market continues to run on them. Or second, they regret what they did. And so they try to wait for the market to come back to kind of cancel out that mistake. And then it doesn't come back. And then, uh, they just, they're kind of at a loss for what to do going forward because they completely missed the rally and they don't want to feel like they're getting into a high point, which is to what you said earlier, why I, will passionately try to dissuade people from going to cash because it almost always doesn't end well. Um, very rarely have I seen someone actually insightfully get out of the market and be able to get back in, um, which probably is more attributable to luck than anything else. It just almost always goes contrary to that where people pull the cord when they can't take the risk anymore, which tends to be towards the bottom. And then they finally feel confident to get back in after the rally's taking place, which uh, the exact opposite of what we want to do in investment management. And I would say, and I'm
1: sure you've experienced the same thing, sometimes also the the negative impact to the relationship between us and the client, because the client is then embarrassed by what they've done. They realize that what they've done is, is incorrect, and they don't want to be reminded of it. So then it ends up affecting the relationship with us, uh, oftentimes uh, resulting in a termination of that relationship because the person doesn't want uh, to be told that they were wrong, uh, so you know the extremism really has a uh, multiple tier impact to the negative of what we 're trying to do on behalf of our clients
0: yeah unfortunately you're you 're correct, and to be clear, um, if someone goes to cash and then they recognize their mistake i mean we 're never going to rub it in their face. I mean we understand that money is an emotionally tight thing, and that 's one of the biggest reasons why I think people should have their money managed is to Get someone that can look at it clinically, but to your point, I mean, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to step away and say, you know what, I made a big mistake. I'm going to trust you going forward. Um, it sometimes happens, but, uh, oftentimes it can result in just the relationship being a bit awkward going forward. And, um, and unfortunately it does lead to, uh, to severing the relationship at times, which is unfortunate. Um, Jeff, any last comments uh, for what we're seeing today or anything that you want to leave with our audience here with regard to uh, what's going to happen over the next few weeks or months? Well,
1: I think that the biggest thing is is kind of one of the last points that you made, which is let's be clinical with what's happening here. Uh, One of the reasons why uh, an investor turns to a firm like ours is to provide the discretion to us to make the harder decisions in a clinical way uh, that will help them for the long term. Um, And really, uh, when somebody decides to go to cash or take an extreme uh, viewpoint in what they're trying to attempt to do, uh, they're removing that discretion from us, which defeats the entire purpose of hiring us to begin with. If you're going to be involved with those types of things, uh, don't hire us. Or take discretion over a part of your assets and leave us to our own uh, to manage money the way that we see is best fit for you and then compare to see if you're doing any better or not. The reality behind it is, as you said, perhaps they get lucky once or twice here or there, but the reality behind it is uh, we as professionals should severely outperform uh, over the long term. There may be situations where uh, the client invests in all growth and Okay, they'll uh, outperform us if they're 100% growth and we're having a more diverse stance in how we're dealing with the investments and uh, we've been on a growth rally. So, okay, you won for a little while, big deal. Um, What's your exit strategy? When are you going to sell these things? When are you going to actually harvest? Uh, What weeds are sitting in your portfolio? Uh, So most people don't have the time, energy, training uh, to be able to do what we do, but yet so much of it is smeared all over the media that they think that because they have information uh, that they have data points in which they can actually make smarter decisions, uh, which often turns to emotional decisions, which leads to bad results. Um, I'll leave you with a story, and that is uh, back in the Great Recession, uh, even before the Great Recession, I was referred a client uh, from an existing long-term relationship I had. Um And so we'll just call them Joe and Dan uh, to make up names. So Joe is the existing client, he refers over Dan, who's about 20 years older, a retired uh, person who turned over all their assets to us. We go through the great recession and, and then come back out the other side. And then unfortunately uh, in about 2011, 2012, Dan passes away. Joe is Dan's executor. Joe, in the midst of the financial crisis in 2008, pretty much decides to sell out almost at the low of the marketplace in 2009, Um, and then refuses to get back in as the markets rally, decides that he's going to wait to be correct, just like you were talking about, Jeremy, and he never is. So he sits there and sits there and sits there and finally gets himself invested in the markets. Um, And then, again, like I said, uh, his friend Dan passes away. Joe then looks at what Dan's results are compared to his and absolutely freaks out about the difference. And I'm like, "Well, that's because you took away discretion from us." and Dan didn't, and we were able to get all of Dan's money back by the end of 2009 and continue to make him money. And so it really had a material impact with Joe, uh, because Joe realized how much of a mistake that he made uh, by going into cash and then refusing uh, to, to sit there and uh, admit that he was wrong in the situation. We are very good at our jobs. Uh, We do uh, it day and night. It's our passion. Uh, We have tools that you don't have from a way of research. Uh, My biggest statement to you is thank you for your loyalty. Please let us do our job. Uh, And that's really uh, where we can bring the very best to you is uh, when left to our own devices to make decisions on your behalf uh, that you would not be making otherwise uh, for yourself. So that's my advice, Jeremy, I would say that again, we get uh, to uh, deal with certain circumstances like an election day or day after where we start to see a little bit more of those extremes, but um, you know, we gotta sit there and and do what's right and do what's right long-term for our clients. And so uh, I think the timing of of this uh, is an excellent one. Don't always believe what's in the media, don't believe the polls, invest in a clinical way um, and uh, you know, let us do our jobs and we'll, we'll come back to you with hopefully some,
0: some great results. Yeah, Jeff, well that's, that's great. And uh, just to kind of summarize uh, what you said, I mean, emotion is almost always the enemy to investing. But you, just, you have to detach that emotion from those decisions. So Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your insights. And as always, looking forward to uh, the next podcast that we do together, but until then, everyone be happy and be healthy.
2: Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice it should not be construed as investment legal or tax advice before acting on this material you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and if necessary seek professional advice polaris wealth does not offer professional legal or tax advice all information contained herein is believed to be accurate but accuracy cannot be guaranteed advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients or polaris Wealth advisory group LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure past performance is no guarantee of future returns Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.